0: It is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is one of those holidays I didn't celebrate growing up as a kid. This was Christmas, right? Everything from Thanksgiving to Christmas Day was Christmas. Um, you know, the tree uh, would come down at some point. The, 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 all the nativity sets would be put up. Um, but Advent, uh, I grow, I've grown to appreciate as I've gotten a little bit older um, in that preparing for Christmas is, is an important thing. Right, Christ comes on Christmas to celebrate the arrival of God on earth on Christmas, but there's some work to be done to prepare for that. You know, if you were expecting a child, there's work to be done when you're expecting a child. That's why God gives us nine months of prep time for that process, right? It's not one day you go home and there's a baby in your house, right? That's, that would be absolutely... Uh, super stressful, right? No, we get a whole period of time to prepare our hearts and to prepare our minds and to get ourselves set up so that we can be ready for the arrival of the child and, and preparing ourselves for the arrival of the Christ child is as important. We do it annually to remind ourselves that Christ came on Christmas and we prepare ourselves for that. But Advent is also a time to prepare ourselves for the fact that Christ is coming again, right? He doesn't just come once, He comes again again for us. But preparing for, for the arrival of Christ means doing some work. It doesn't just mean um, lighting a candle uh, once a week and, and kind of keeping them in order so you don't like the pink one till week three, right? It's not it's not about the candles and, and, and making that preparation. There's heart work that has to be done. And so for the next uh, three Sundays that I preach, it'll technically be four Sundays, but we have the cantata in the middle of it. Um, we're going to prepare ourselves for the arrival of Christ's coming. We're going to do that by talking about uh, a gift exchange. I don't know if you've ever done a white elephant gift exchange or something similar, um, but the, the concept is simple, right? You bring something, uh, and sometimes there's limits on what it can be and what it can't be, and price limits, or it's got to be homemade or whatever. But you bring a gift, and then you you, you give it away. And the only way you get to participate in the gift exchange is if you bring a gift. My family is relatively large. If we were to go to a gift exchange, we would have to bring eight presents, right? Eight different presents if we wanted every person to participate. Now, I don't know if the baby's overly interested in participating in your White Elephant gift exchange, uh, but, but the other seven people probably would be. And so we'd have to bring a big pile of presents because if we only brought five presents... We would have to choose our five favorite people in the family to participate in the gift exchange, and the other three people would be left out in the cold watching it take place. We all have to bring something to the table to receive something on the back end. Advent is a season to prepare for for the coming of Christ, and so I want you to prepare today by giving a gift to God. What I want you to give to God is not necessarily the best gift. Thing you have now—that seems sideways, right? Because we're supposed to give our best gifts to God, right? Our first fruits, the, the the greatest part of our work. No, I want you to give God something that you really don't want. Now, so something that that's racking your life. This is this is the giving away a part of you that eats at your soul and tears you up. And today, that thing we're going to talk about is anxiety. You know, stress, anxiety, uh, the idea that the world is just coming down on us, it's so right now, right? It's amazing to me that that this is the most stressed-out time in human history, right? We have secure food. We have secure shelter. We have secure water. We we live in relative safety. We have police and fire departments. Uh, Many of us have never, ever thought... About where am I going to get my next meal? Where am I going to, uh, how am I going to be able to pay uh, for the lights to stay on in my house? And if we have, maybe those thoughts are 40 years in the past. We haven't thought about it in a long, long time. Yet this generation, right now, your neighbors, your friends, yourself, your family, we deal with anxiety in a more severe way than in all of human history. If we were to pull back 500 years, you know, the birth of the Protestant Reformation, when electricity was not a thing, right? When air conditioning was not a thing. Uh, I, I was, my wife, uh, who's gone so I can talk about her, uh, she's doing Kid Jam, but uh, she told me as she was up here, she's like, man, I'm hot, right? And I see some people fanning themselves, and I was shaking hands during the shake hands time, and someone else is cold, and I'm like, I guess we got the temperature exactly where it needs to be, right? If, if I got some people hot and some people cold, I think we're probably winning, Right? But we have indoor air conditioning, we have indoor heat, we have indoor plumbing, which is kind of a nice thing. I'm not going to lie to you, right? We're big fans of all of that stuff. But back then, they didn't have any of that, but also, anxiety wasn't there. Right? We're over medicated with anxiety. We have children, like young children, on anxiety medications to get through the stress of going to second grade. Right? Right, And, and it's, it's serious. It's not, it, it's, not, it's not nothing. These kids are overwhelmed with stress. And I don't know what that trade-off is, what happened that made it where we had all of our needs met and so somehow we could become stressed out about everything else in the world. But our souls as a culture are in a dark place when it comes down to anxiety. If you're one of those people who struggles with that burden, I want you to know that's Okay. Right? We all have different crosses to bear. We all have different things that we deal with. And anxiety is the issue of our day. You are not alone. You are not alone in this room. You're probably not alone on the row that you sit on, unless you are indeed alone on the row you sit on, in which case, I'm sorry. Right, But, but, but there are other people around you, near you, who you could reach out and talk to and touch, who are dealing with the same darkness that anxiety leads us to trap. But God does not desire you to live an anxious life. So today I want you to offer God your anxiety. And I want to promise you that if you will offer your anxiety to God, God on the other side will offer you something better in return. That's the beauty of exchanging gifts with a perfect God, is we give Him things that aren't that good, and He gives us things that we could not Imagine our our Bible passage today is in Philippians chapter two. If you have your Bibles, go on ahead and flip to the book of Philippians. Philippians is a a letter by the apostle Paul. It's in the New Testament. This is my Bible. The front, lots of pages. The back, not very much left. Okay, so you're pretty far back in the Bible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Just to let you know where you are, what you're looking at. As you look at the scripture, Philippians is a letter by Paul to a church. He's encouraging them to to live in the joy of knowing Christ. The the book of Philippians is a joy-filled book. And we've studied the book of Philippians, but at the end of a lot of Paul's letters, he goes into some quick hits. Some, oh yeah, I I don't really want to write all about this, but do this. Short encouragement statements. And it's in this section that we're going to be today philippians chapter 4 starting in verse 6 we're going to read verses 6 and 7 today but we'll just read verse 6 to start off with it says do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god do not be anxious about anything and that's a command of God. Now, this is a difficult command to keep, right? That no anxiety should ever enter into your life. It doesn't matter if you just got laid off from your job and it's Christmas time, right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's not a conditional statement. It's don't be anxious about most things. It's not don't be anxious about things that are, are handleable by your own strength. It means there, you should not allow anxiety to rack who you are ever. Do not be anxious about anything. This is a difficult thing to do. Like many of God's commands, they're easy to say and tough to implement, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, easy to say, tough to implement when your neighbor is a turd, right? I mean, it's difficult sometimes The pastors maybe not should say turd. I don't really know the rule on whether or not you should, should call your neighbor a turd, okay? We'll talk later about that. But sometimes that's what they are, right? Not my neighbors. I got a good neighbor, right? I love... I have an empty house, and then I got Jimmy Keene. Jimmy Keene's a good dude, by the way, um, if you know Jimmy. But, but, but I mean, I've had some neighbors before. and Maybe I've been that neighbor before. It's tough sometimes. It's easy to say God's commands. It's tough to do God's command. God says, don't be anxious about anything. And then us Americans say, okay, well, I'm just going to put on a happy face, and I'm going to not be anxious. And the more you tell yourself you're not going to do something, the harder it becomes not to do it, right? I mean, you just, you think if we just grit our teeth and we try real hard, we can achieve this thing. But God does not intend for you to succeed at this on your own. He is not asking you to do this by your own power and your own strength because the verse doesn't stop there. It's don't be anxious about anything. Now let me go on to another subject. No, it's don't be anxious about anything. And here's how you can achieve that. Right? How can you achieve this thing? Continuing in verse 6, this is, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known, by, known to God. Guys, here's, here's the deal. right? The, the weapon that we have against anxiety is the greatest weapon the Christian has in their arsenal. We have the access to God through prayer. And God says, come to me in prayer, and if you come to me in prayer, you know, and supplication is is a word we don't use much, um, but it is a very churchy word, if it's ever used, it's used here in church. Supplication means to, to come to God with requests. This is what most of our prayer requests are, petitions or supplication. Hey God, can you heal my, my, my neighbor uh, who's dealing with this? Can you, can you, can you take care of my, my marriage where we're dealing with these issues? Can you help my kids through things? Those are supplications. We're going to God and we're asking God to do what God can do. We're, we're asking God to move. That's a big part of our prayer life. But when we go to God to ask for Him, To move on the things that worry us, the things that stress us out, the things that that, that keep us up at night. You know, that's the worst thing about anxiety. It keeps you up at night, you can't sleep, it robs you of sleep. Eventually, somehow your brain shuts off enough that you're able to sleep and then you wake up and you can't get out of bed. It's just a vicious cycle that robs you of who you are. And God says when those things are happening, when you, when you feel anxiety, pray, but don't just pray, God, take this burden from me. Pray with thanksgiving. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? Maybe you had some turkey, maybe you had some ham, maybe you had some tamales. I had all of it, okay? It was a good Thanksgiving with the Higginbothams, okay? But but Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday to remind us to be thankful for things. But You know, Thanksgiving is the weapon in the prayer arsenal against anxiety. Because, you know, if I'm thankful, if I'm truly thankful for all things God has given me, all of a sudden my eyes become open to how good God is at being faithful to me. And so what I, what I do, what I, what I need to do, what God is calling us to do, is as we deal with the things that worry us, we go to God with the things that He's already won the battle for us. And if you were today to sit down and begin to write a list of things you should and could be thankful for, that list would never end. Right? It's not write five things you're thankful for. I mean, just sit down and start writing a list. If I was to sit down right now and begin writing, I I could come back next Sunday and still have things to be thankful for. Some things would be small. Like we had a little kitten that showed up at our house. By the way, if you want a little kitten... It is adorable, but it only has one eye, right? Something happened in the wild, and it got an eye popped out, and I would love to home that kitten at your house because my kids thought it belonged at my house, and it doesn't, okay? But it belongs at your house. But this little kitten has one eye. You know how often I'm thankful that I have two eyes? Not very often, but when I play with that kitten, I'm more thankful, right? Because all of a sudden, that kitten is like, you know, it's jerking its head around because its depth perception is wrong, and its blind spot is apparently this whole side of its body, right? Um, All right, right. I'm not thankful that I have two eyes that function. I have never, ever, until right now, thought, Lord, thank you for letting me have use of both of my eyes. Now, maybe you have. Maybe you've been struck with partial blindness or temporary blindness, and you're like, man, that's, it really is a, a wonderful blessing that I have these things. I don't thank God that I got ten fingers and ten toes. And, right. But if I was to write down a list of just big and little things, I, it would never stop. One of my favorite songs is the song The Love of God. And inside of that song, you know, it says, you know, uh, you know to write the whole uh, of God's love, right? If, if the ocean was, was, was made of ink and the sky was a scroll, the, 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 the ocean would be dry. You would run out of water. You'd run out of ink in the ocean. Because you can't even imagine how much God loves you. That's how, those are the things we have to be thankful for. And the sky couldn't hold it. If you were to ride it across the entirety of the sky, which is a never-ending canvas, it couldn't hold the goodness of God. And the love of God in our lives. I love that picture, but that's the sort of God we have to be thankful for. And if God has let you have the use of both of your eyes, and if God lets you get out of bed today, and if God has given you relatively good health compared to someone else, and if you don't think you have relatively good health compared to someone else, come talk to me and I'll tell you a story about someone who's probably in our church who's in a worse spot than you are, right? Because there are people today who, are at, who can't be with us right now who can't be in this room right now because their health will not allow them. If you're here today, you're blessed today. If you're awake today, you're blessed today. If if your children are healthy, if your grandchildren are healthy, if you have children or grandchildren, if you have aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, if you've experienced love in any way, you, you can be thankful for those things. And when you go to God with thanksgiving... And you begin to list out all the things that god's been thankful for if he's been thankful if he 's been faithful to give you this and this and this and this, the thing that you 're worried about, you become much more confident that God will be faithful to take care of that as well. the thing that bothers your heart so much, the thing that sets you in so much anxiety become so small compared to the manifest goodness of God. Be thankful, Christian. This is what we're called to do. Pray to God with thanksgiving. And what happens is you become molded in God's direction. See, prayer does two things. It can move God to change. Right, one of the, the characteristics of God is He is immutable. That means He's unchanging. It means He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But we see in Scripture specific times where God's people call out to Him in prayer, and God either relents from something or changes what He was going to do. You see it in the story of Moses on on a number of occasions, God relents from what He was going to do because people who He loved call out to Him in His name. Prayer can change God. It can move God to work on your behalf. But more often what prayer does is it changes you. It makes you less like you and more like God. And then you begin to see things from God's perspective. You begin to see things in the right light. And the things that bother you, the things that, that, that shake you, the things that worry you. And these aren't small things. They become small though compared to the power and goodness of God. We have a good, loving God. He cares for you. He holds you in His hand. And if you're thankful for what He's given you, if you look at Him with thanksgiving, all of a sudden you're going to recognize, well, He did all of these things, and He's given me all these good gifts, He's probably got me covered for this thing that's bothering probably got me covered. Guys, prayer with thanksgiving gives confidence to the believer. One of the reasons that I struggle any time I struggle with things, that I'm not a naturally anxious person, but when whenever I have a major life situation that leads me into anxiety, this is what I struggle to do, is to remember God's goodness. Because I'm so trapped in my own kind of dark place. There are people who are just kind of naturally... Uh, predisposed to these things, to, to, to wandering into that, that specific dark place, if that's you, I want to encourage you, I want to implore you, make the list. I mean the most tedious list on earth. And you can make it on the computer so you can just kind of add things in order. You can be like random health things I'm thankful for random people that I'm thankful for, random organizations that I'm thankful for, right? But you you can just make the list because when you get dark, go to that list, thank God for those things, and then say, God, take this too. I've got 700,000 things that I'm thankful for, God. I got one thing that's bothering me. Can you take that too? And he can, and he will, because we give God our anxiety and our worry and our stress and our brokenness. And what does he give us in return? Flip to verse 7. This is what we get in return when we give that away. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We give God our worry, our stress, our anxiety, and he gives us peace. This candle today represents peace. Zach read a passage from Isaiah where it talks about uh, the coming uh, child who will be born, who will be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to earth to make peace between God and man. That is a major thing we should be thankful for. It's a future peace we'll experience as we experience the presence of God one-on-one in heaven. But it's a present peace that he wants to give you as well. It's not just peace Tomorrow, God wants you to have peace today. He wants you to experience and live in what true peace is. And you can't be living in peace when you're racked with anxiety and stress. You just can't do it. The time in my life where I was most tore up with stress, my marriage was in the absolute worst place it's ever been. Since over a decade ago. My wife and I were as close to divorce as I think any two people can be without actually getting divorced. And God somehow put us back together. There's a story of God's grace and power in there. If you ever want to know that, come talk to me. I'll share that story. But what I, what, what's important about it for this sermon is I could not sleep. I, I could not speak. Like I, I couldn't formulate thoughts to make a, a logical sentences. I was so overwhelmed because in my life I, I would lose my wife, who is the woman I've loved since I was 16 years old. Right, I was going to lose my wife. I would have my three children, or at least my, my, my relationship with them would have been permanently altered. I was in the ministry, so I'd likely lose my job, right, my, my ability to provide for, for my food and shelter. I was going to lose that. All of that was going to be gone. And I was overwhelmed and my wife and I sought some counsel and some wise counsel in there. And, and along the way, we ended up in this place in Marble, Colorado. It's the Marble Retreat Center. And we did like a uh, marriage boot camp insane stuff. It was 40 hours of counseling in like six days. I'm pro-counseling, by the way. That's a lot of counseling, though, to do in six days. It will absolutely drain who you are. Uh, your pastor often tells you he's a broken guy. Man, I, I'm, I'm well put together compared to that guy uh, about 12 years ago. That guy was a mess. Praise God that he's he's mostly behind me now. Uh, but when we went in there and, and about three days into this intensive marriage group therapy, individual therapy, couple therapy thing that we were doing, um, God just fixed... Fixed it. And then not every problem in our marriage was fixed. Uh, we, we still run into some from time to time. But he fixed, like me, the thing that was broken in me, the, the worry and the anxiety, the fear that I had. He, he took it from me and, and he replaced it with peace. And I can't explain what this is like, but, but we were there and it was, it was just kind of like it was in October, I guess, early October. And Marble, Colorado is on a 12,000 feet or something like that. And it was their first snowfall. Had just happened uh, the night before. And uh, I got up. And uh, we were about to have counseling for six hours straight or something crazy like that. And uh, it just hit me. but I, I can't explain it, but God just, he fixed me in that moment. He fixed everything that was wrong with me in my anxiety, worry world. And I just kind of... It was like it's peace that passes understanding. Right, I can't explain it, but I'll tell you what: if you never walked that path, if you never walked the path of uh, crazy anxiety, can't sleep, can't eat, can't dream, can't can't get out of bed, can't can't put sentences together, right? On the other side of that, if, if God puts you back together, it's amazing, and that's what happened. He just he replaced my worry with His peace. He took the things that bothered me. He said, God, I've got you. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if that meant my marriage was going to make it. It wasn't going to make it. I I had no idea at that time. I thought we were going to make it. I thought we would find a way to put the pieces back together. And we'd find a way uh, to find joy and trust and hope in the midst of brokenness and destruction um, that we had caused, our own selfish stupidness had caused. I thought that God could put all that back together. But in that day, it was that morning. It's just fixed. See, God gives peace. To anxious people When we call out to him And I love that And it's not this temporary peace It's not this partial peace It's this peace that passes All your understanding It's peace that, that, that If you're not living in and walking in You long for Because guys we live in conflict We live In, in, in destruction and brokenness. This world is ugly at times and tore up at times. But God says, I want you to experience peace. And so God gave me peace in the midst of the chaos. God desires to give you perfect peace in exchange for anxiety. Reach out to God in thankful prayer. Tell Him how good He's been and faithful He's been. And as you give that to God, allow God to replace your anxiety with the gift of peace. It's better that way. I love the ESV. It's the version of Bible that I preach out of. Uh, but, but I love how they handled this passage. Because verse 6 in my Bible, not most Bibles don't have it this way. But verse 6 is the beginning, is not the beginning of a sentence. It's in the middle of a sentence. And the end of, chap, of, of verse 5 is actually the beginning. This is what the sentence would actually read. It, would, it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Right? The reason that we don't have to be anxious about anything, church, is because the Lord is at hand. He's here right now. That's what Christmas is about, that God came near to us. He's at hand. He's close by, and He is as close today as He was then. He is just a word away. Call out to God and your anxiety, and God will return back to you His peace god exchanges our worry for his peace if you're here today and you're overwhelmed you're stressed you're worried maybe it's maybe it's your relationships maybe it's just just you're just stressed out you can't even peg what it is that's broken in you that makes you feel that way guys be thankful for what god's done and then ask him to exchange your worry for his peace I'm not anti-psych meds. I think uh, oftentimes they are necessary to give us a chance to, to, to get to where we need to be. Right? They're, they're a necessary thing sometimes to get us to where we can, we can get well. But the peace that you get on your Paxil, it's not real peace. It's temporary. It's fleeting. Stop taking it. See, see what happens. Right? The peace that you get from from from, from uh, some, some little activity to hide out, whether, you know, drinking or drugs, right, that we can get. We can get just peace by emptying out some of that stuff and filling ourselves with some other things. It's temporary. But God wants to take your anxiety. He wants to give you His peace. So we call out to Him in thankfulness. God's got good gifts to give to us today. You may be here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and say, you can't go to God and say, God, give me peace because you don't know God through the Prince of Peace. You want to know where, where, where peace starts. It starts in making peace between you and the God of the universe. You've committed crimes against the God of the universe and He is just to hold you responsible for those crimes. And the way you achieve peace with that God is for Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ paid for your crime on the cross. We celebrate his coming because he came to make peace between God and man. So we can look at God, and we can be friends of God, and not enemies of God. If you don't know Jesus today, today's a good day to do that. If you do know Christ, and you're just struggling today, anxiety's got you. Stress has got you. Make the list. Start it today. Buy a new spiral. When you fill up that spiral, get another one. When you fill up that spiral, get another one. It will help you to recognize how much God has done for you. He's good. If He was good yesterday and He was good today, He's probably going to be good tomorrow. Let's pray.